<laughs> Let's start with this. All right. Let's start with this. Inflation. Now, here you have to understand, since I was a kid in 1979, Jimmy Carter was ruling the roost in the White House. You know what? I was about 150 pounds all pimpled up. It was glorious. I was actually sitting out of school in 1979 with a bone disease. So I heard the word for the first time. That word, a dirty word, inflation. That's right, inflation. The overall increase in cost of goods and services is what defines inflation. I remember all of a sudden we had gas lines. The price of gas went from 20, 30 cents to 88 cents at the one gas station that had a funny name. It wasn't one of the ones that you ever heard across from the Y&W. My mother, my father on a strict budget, as they were both teachers, were talking about two things. One, how much groceries skyrocketed the price of groceries, and two, how long it took to get gas. And I always thought to myself, wasn't a political man, was more involved in hanging out, playing basketball, chasing girls. But once I became an adult and started paying attention to the world, even as a high school kid, I remember in a civics class saying, look, I don't care who's the president. In fact, I was probably a Democrat because I lived in Gary, Indiana, unions were big. Everybody was a Democrat. Richard Hatcher was stealing all the money, watching all the town go shoop. Anyway, I remember saying, look, it seems to me like out of a president, we should never want to hear the word inflation. We should want to keep gas prices down and the stock market up. I gave a speech on this in Mr. Morgan's civics class. It's all I ever cared about. That's it. And all of a sudden, Ronald Reagan came in, inflation went down, and for the most part, from that time until now, this very Jimmy Carter-esque president, we saw an all-time record, a 41-year high. Now, let me think back. 41 years ago, 22 of them, that's basically 1981-1982, right? Well, that's when Reagan was trying to solve the problem of Jimmy Carter. We have a new Jimmy Carter in right now. His name is Joe Biden. And everybody knew when Joe Biden got in that this was going to happen. Inflation now 8.5%, highest in 41 years. 41 years. And people still make excuses for this clown. Well, 70% of it is because of the Ukraine invasion by the Russians, really. 70%. You, you figured that out, huh? Okay. Seems to me the moment this clown got in office, things went up. And what is even more amazing to me, Actually, it's astounding to me that people continue to make excuses. We continue to make excuses for this blank show that is going on. There is not one single thing that Joe Biden and this administration has handled well. How about getting out of Afghanistan? How'd that go? Nothing have these folks handled well, but yet people still make excuses. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. I'm like Allison Williams. I really don't sign up either side. I don't vote Republican and I don't vote Democrat. I vote common sense. In fact, I voted for myself last election. I'm not voting for these idiots. There's no way I'm voting for Biden. I can see he don't know where the hell he is. And there's no way I'm voting for Trump. I can see he's a pig. But I'll tell you this, I'll take Trump back in a second. I don't give a damn. I said this yesterday. I don't give a damn what he said in 1998 about grabbing who I don't care. You care, I don't. 
I'm not looking for any moral compass. What I'm looking for is keep inflation down, and these clowns in office keep inflation up to the point where a bird actually crapped on your president yesterday. I'll never understand. You can hit me with all your little tweets. You know, I got all these little guys. Charlie Savage hits me with all. Fine, great. How can you defend 8.5% inflation? Well, it was by uh, Trump's fault. Okay. That's like saying in Indianapolis, the current quarterback situation is Andrew Luck's fault. It's the same thing. I'm stunned. I'm not stunned by the inflation. We knew the man was an idiot, and we knew that everybody with him in there was an idiot. Term limits would have solved a lot of this, but I can get into that on another show. But that's all right. We don't want that. Cities keep voting Democratic, and cities keep going to hell. I don't understand it. But the biggest problem we have is there are people out there, now most people that are Democrats, will defend this blank show. I got one guy, well, I would vote for anybody but Trump. Why? Mean tweets. He's mean to people. Stop. I don't care. Uh, you care. Great. You care about 8.5% inflation, or you don't care about 8.5% inflation because Donald Trump's not in there? Because you don't have to me- read a mean tweet? You're an idiot. I'm sorry. You're an idiot. If you can't see what's happening and at least have a discussion about why 8.5% inflation in March is not good, I can't help you. There's nothing I can, you're, you're gone. You have no common sense. You have no ability to discuss. And I see it, I mean, I could open up my Twitter right now and see it. Well, you know, but, but Trump, okay, well, this isn't Trump, all right? It, this isn't Trump. It's historic levels of inflation under a guy that literally, Literally, most folks of any kind of intelligence told you this was going to happen. Told you. 8.5% inflation. We got gas line. It's amazing. And we hadn't seen this. We had none of this. This is what I don't understand. When Trump was in office, there was none of this. There was just simply none of this. And, you know, we're all supposed to preface it by saying, well, you know, I don't like Trump. Hey, look, I love Trump now. Are you kidding me? Oh, he tweeted me in the middle of the night. He was mean to Rosie O'Donnell. I don't care. That all goes away. Our, Our hatred or whatever of whatever goes away immediately the next day. Adam Schefter isn't a thing. It goes away until, of course, you get mad at him again. Then you bring up all the stuff. It is astounding to me astounding that people will defend this blank show. Well, you know, the, the LGBT community, great, wonderful. He's great for the LG. I don't, good. It's eight and a half percent inflation. Well, he, he, he didn't, uh, no, we've got eight and a half percent inflation. Inflation. I've said this forever. I don't want to hear the word gas prices. I don't want to see him go up. And keep our stock market going. Well, you're selfish. Fine, I'm selfish. We all should be a little selfish about what we want out of a president. If you want a president that's perfect morally, you haven't had it in your lifetime. Let's just put it that way. I mean, JFK is the greatest of all time, supposedly, and he was stooping everything that walked right in front of his wife. I mean, just stop with the stupid. Eight and a half percent inflation. That drives me. Well, he, he took over a blank show. It's been two years. What are you doing? Do something. What about January 6th? I don't care. I got 8.5% inflation. I'll let the Department of Justice figure out January 6th. 
What about Kavanaugh? Don't care. You embarrass yourself. Same people that are happy about inflation or praising this clown in the White House are, are saying, well, Kavanaugh shouldn't be at White because he drank beer at a party in high school. Shut up. Shut up. It's time we stepped up, and I got no problem stepping up. That is why, once again, ladies and gentlemen, I love being on OutKick. Only Jalen Rose and others can say this on, uh, well, they wouldn't say this, but only those guys on ESPN. Guy like me, 58-year-old white guy, 59, excuse me. Oh, I'd been, there'd have been a hook pulling me off the set, off the set. A bird crapped on Joe Biden. You know what? That's good luck. And I want Joe Biden to be successful. I'm not against anybody. You're the president. I got three things for you. Rehearse with me. I don't hear the word inflation. Gas prices down. Keep the market going. Well, that's how selfish you are. Fine, I'm selfish. There's some green-haired person with 17 nose rings. Don't care. Call me whatever names you want. But, you know, he's great with the LGBTQ plea. I don't care. We got 8.5% inflation. You know what else we got? We got NBA hoops. By the way, some idiot tried to superglue herself to the floor last night. We'll get into that. Hey, hey, uh, Sean Black, what do you say you and I go to the game tonight? You bring the superglue. I'm mad that the owner of the Timberwolves has a chicken farm. Chickens die. Okay, I'll bring the super glue. You bring the press. You glue yourself, and I'll try to stomp you down so it holds. Idiots. And there's no place worse than Minnesota. Don't even at me. Minneapolis is a hellhole. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Interesting games last night. Kyrie Irving came right out, man. I was watching. It was 40 to 20 at the quarter. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, early leads don't last. But Kyrie Irving in the first half went nine for nine, two for two from three. Next thing you know, he's got 20 points, and they're up a bunch. Now they had to hold on, and Kevin Durant had to carry the load a little bit. But I think the inevitable, we all know, is going to be that the Nets are going to be pretty good in the playoffs. And if you watched it yesterday, it's pretty good. And the interview after, man, I like Kyrie Irving. I know he said some nutty things, but, man, I like Kyrie Irving a lot. He's doing the Ramadan thing, man. He's fasting. And I thought his interview was terrific. I thought he looked sincere about what he was talking about with God and all that. And I respect, much respect, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Good for him, man. I thought he was cool as hell. I don't know. I know I'm supposed to not like him. I mean, whatever you all tell me I'm supposed to do. But I like Kyrie Irving. I thought Kyrie Irving was great. Kevin Durant always tries to act mad. Kevin Durant's like that guy that you uh, knew growing up in high school who was soft as hell, but he tried to act mean, man. I'm proud of you. Shut up. Kevin Durant's a jump shooter. No respect for jump shooters. He's a jump shooter. Doesn't ever get hit. If he gets hit, he cries. He's a good player. Not the greatest player in the world. He's a jump shooter. Terrific jump shooter. Maybe the best seven-foot jump shooter in the history of the world. A little pull-up off the dribble. He's a jump shooter. Kyrie Irving's best finisher in basketball. True story. The best finisher that I ever saw was uh, Isaiah Thomas. Like Isaiah Thomas spinning. Kyrie Irving's better, I think. I do. Now, the NBA is different. You got to remember, Isaiah Thomas almost lost his life by an elbow by Carl uh, Malone. If you did that to these guys, they would be out for seven months. They'd be out through the next year. 
Isaiah Thomas, toughest point guard in the history of basketball. I got no problem saying it, but Kyrie Irving, man, that dude can finish. Uh, the other game, here's a shocker for you. Paul George went three for ten in the first half of a game, big in the third quarter. That's what he does. And his numbers look good with 34, but guess what Paul George also does in the playoffs? He loses. PG-13, I got two words for you. My backside. My backside. PG-13. He changed his name to PG-13, and ever since he was PG-13, he hadn't won nothing. I mean, that dude will kill you. I've said it before. I say it again. I said it years ago. Mike Greenberg and I were hosting uh, Mike and Mike. I'm sitting there on the set. They're talking about Paul George. Go, you guys are nuts. You can look it up on, on YouTube. It's a, it's, a, it's a sensation, really. It's an absolute sensation. I'm like, that dude's a total fraud. When it comes time, he's going to lose. And guess what? He did. The interesting thing about the Timberwolves is, number one, not the woman that tied herself or glued herself to the court. The interesting thing <clears throat> is how good Anthony Edwards is as a rookie in the playoffs. Dude had 30 last night. First playoff, five threes. That's pretty good. The other thing, and I didn't realize this, I didn't know where D'Angelo Russell was. D'Angelo Russell makes $30 million a year. Think about that. $30 million a year. He had 29 last night. He was pretty good. How does a guy that nobody knows about in the NBA, whose, whose biggest claim to fame was like ratting out teammates or something, I don't know, when he was with the Lakers, how does that guy make $30 million? I think the head of Eli Lilly makes 12 Well, And they don't even want to play in the NBA. I make $30 million, I don't want to play. But he played last night, and he played, <clears throat> excuse me, he played really, really, really well. The next guy, you know the name Daniel Snyder? I think Daniel Snyder deserves his own place in hell. I do. Daniel Snyder... What, 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 who, is there a group? Let me just look at something here. I want to make sure I actually wrote this down. There isn't a group in the world that Daniel Snyder hasn't tried to screw over. Women, his own fans. I'm going to get into that in just a second. Other teams' fans, the league. I mean, you name it. Daniel Snyder is a blank show. Daniel Snyder, I got two words for him, my backside. Just a horrible person. I'm not even saying I met the man. I don't think, I know what he kind of looks like, but I don't think I know anybody that might know him through knowing him. But this dude is the worst. I mean, the worst. I'm opening my big eyes right now. I want to get a head tuck. You know what I mean? Like, get a head tuck. That'd be better. My eyes don't open. A head tuck would be good. But Daniel Snyder, if I were Daniel Snyder, I don't know, I, I, I don't know what I would do because he is awful to everyone. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. Let me tell you the latest. Listen to this. So his Commodores, they took $5 million which, I don't know, is that, a, is that a lot to him? Is that a lot to the commanders or whatever the hell they're called? Is it a ton? Is it a little? I don't know. But it's still $5 million that isn't him. He took $5 million in security deposits on tickets from his own fans and didn't refund them. 
his own fans. He didn't refund them. This is not me saying this. This is not some slap writer at the Indy Star, the USA Today, right? This is Congress. He is such an awful, freaking, ridiculous, freaking human being that he's in front of Congress with this. He concealed this. How, you ask? Two sets of books. The man had two sets of books. That's that's timeless. That's what they used to say going back to Mayor uh, Richard Hatcher and Gary. That's what I was always told about him. He had two sets of books, one for showing and one for going. Hey, feds, come in. Here's my books. What's the problem? That's for showing. The one for going is uh, Lake House up in uh, Lake Michigan. I don't know if it's true or not, but I know that's what they always said. So now Daniel Snyder's owning a team, and he's in front of Congress for failing to refund his own team security deposits, failing to revenue share. So now he's blanked off the other owners because you're supposed to give everybody a little bit and they put it in a big pie. So whatever my, my, let's say mine is $10 million I'm supposed to give you know, part of my revenue to the greater good of the league. He didn't do it. Or if he did it, he did a percentage of what he was supposed to do. And then he just flat out apparently stole $5 million from 2,000 customers. And this dude's the worst. He's the worst. I get, and then let's go through, I mean, the investigation and the treatment of women. I, just a crazy, crazy, insanity. Hey, look, I'm not for saying he's got to be out as an owner. He got to be out of society. He got to go to jail at some point. This dude is awful. And the more you read about him, the more you go, what? So if you are a person in D.C. right now, how do you get your money back? Oh, man. You know, I always say this. And it applies to me. It's always the same people. Uh, I could close my eyes, fall asleep, wake up in six months, and there'll be another Daniel Snyder deal. There will. Going back to the NBA playoffs, I can close my eyes. Minnesota moves on. Patrick Beverly's on the team. There'll be a fracas, which is a great word. I'm in a fracas. What happened tonight, son? I was in a fracas. Patrick Beverly will be in a fracas. What are you doing tonight, Patrick? I'll go get in a fracas. (laughs) Daniel Snyder. God. Can you imagine? Like, at some point, if you're, like, last thing. I live by the mirror. Like, I think 3 o'clock till 4 o'clock in the morning is, is like my, my, I don't know the right word, my conscience time. Like, no matter what I do, I think I've done something wrong. I live by the mirror. I live by being able to look myself in the mirror. And regardless of what the media says, that's what I do. But can you imagine if you had to look yourself in the mirror and you know you stole $5 million from 2,000 of your customers? You know you've done all these things. How do you live with yourself? I, I don't get it. I mean, Google me. I'm a bad guy. But, I, hey, that's just media talk. I, my conscience is strong, man. I'm telling you, I don't know how Daniel Snyder does it. In fact, there's a little bit of envy that he can be this rotten of a human being and just carry on, just carry on. 
Like, I think guys like Epstein are sick. Like, mass murderers are sick. Rapists are sick. So, in a lot of cases, you know, you just go, man, that's a sickness. In Daniel Snyder's, it's just, it's just unethical. It's just like, what are you doing? And then you just go about your business of screwing more people. You have to make a conscious effort to screw people like Snyder has. Man, what a world. Uh, speaking of what a world, we got our little show here, me and Ryan and Dylan. Dylan every day sends me homework. We put our little show on and, you know, some of you like it. Actually, a lot of you like it. It seems like our audience is pretty solid. I know this. Our audience is better than CNN Plus's. Now, the difference is you got to pay for CNN Plus. That's fine. But it's also the CNN brand, which is multi-multi-millions. Our show outdoes Rex Chapman, Don Lemon, Jamel Hill's show, Brian Stetzler. I saw Brian Stetzler being interviewed. A kid was just crushing him. How do you folks watch these people? Apparently, you're not. But you're telling me that you're watching this guy Stetzler and Don Lemon? No, you're not. You know, Rex Chapman's finally been exposed. He's stolen other people's uh, he's stolen other people's content and put blocker charge on it, and you all went, oh, this is great. Rex Chapman. I like him. I do like him. Jamel Hill, I, I look, Jamel Hill tried to make Tony Dungy out to be a racist yesterday. Well, here's the Here's the deal. CNN Plus, less than 10,000 people are watching. Less than 10,000. On our little show yesterday, we had 30,000. We had 30,000 on OutKick uh, and my Twitter. We had another, I don't know, probably added up to about 10,000, maybe 20, depending on the date. Uh, Allison Williams' interview a few weeks ago got 35,000 views. On top of the already 20,000, you go to YouTube, now they're out of 8 to 10, depending on the day, for about 50, 60 grand a day. It's not bad for me sitting in my basement talking to y'all. There's no way in hell anybody wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I want to go watch a show with Jamel Hill on it, or Rex Chapman on it. (laughs) There's no way. Now, you might turn on CNN. Why? Well, because you want to get the news. And CNN may be your news source. CNN was my news source, along with Fox, until the world lost its mind. Now I don't watch either. No, I do watch Fox. I'm lying to you. I do. That's not true either. No, I'm thinking to myself, I used to have either CNN or Fox on to go to sleep and watch. But I don't anymore. I just, you know what? I just do my thing. But if I'm going to get my news, I'm going to get it from Fox. But I would never turn on to see Don Lemon or Brian Stetzler, or ever since Anderson Cooper took a shot on New Year's Eve and sounded like a hyena, I got nothing for him. Jesus. Time we walk like men. Take a shot, throw it down on the bar, and ask for another one. Look it up. It's unbelievable. So nobody's watching these clowns. I'm not surprised, because they don't reflect real America. They reflect a narrative, and nobody wants to go out of their way to get a narrative. You'll take narrative if it's on the news. It's one of the reasons we're so popular. We have no narrative. I don't give a damn if you're Republican or Democrat. Don't give me inflation at eight and a half. I've said it enough. And then, of course, there's Bomani Jones. Bomani Jones has an HBO special. Now, let me go through. Bomani Jones, 
they set him up perfectly. It's basically a show to tell everybody why you are racist and how you are racist and to spin things Bamani Jones style into you thinking you're racist. So Bamani Jones is set up because HBO, like most companies, is so afraid of the word ist, racist, sexist, misogynist, scared to death. So they give Bamani Jones a show, even though Bamani Jones has proven himself to be the worst draw in the history of ESPN. ESPN does the same thing every day. I mean, they put dudes on games that don't even know there's a game going on just so they're not called an ist. We all understand that. Fine. But Bamani Jones has partners in the media. He's smart. He's like Dickie V was back in the day. He cultivated the media. So anything Dickie V said, Rudy Martsky and everybody else said, oh, man, Dickie V's great. Dickie V would actually name guy. Well, I was talking to the great writer, Dickie Weiss, and then Dickie Weiss would write out great Dick Vitale. It was genius. It was. And Dick Vitale, the only difference, though, is Dick Vitale was great at his job. Energetic, enthusiastic. Monty Jones is god-awful. I mean, he may have a podcast that people listen to. I don't know. He's got a decent following on Twitter, and he can probably crush a guy like me. I don't care. But he is freaking awful. I mean, everyone, everything, every movement can't be racist, but he'll tell you it is. The white guy is not that bad. He's not the greatest, uh, but he ain't that bad. He'll tell you he is. And no one wants to hear his stuff because he's got no basis. He's just a guy. There's no basis on what Bomani Jones has done in life. So nobody's watching. They put him on because everyone's afraid that you'll be called an ist. And HBO is so afraid that you'll be called an ist that they're giving this guy a million dollars to have a show right behind their number one show, which is John Oliver. So by the time Bomani Jones is done with that, he's lost 80% of the audience, 119,000 people, actually 76%, I want to be accurate. Uh, There is a report by our guy Bobby Barak, who's coming on the show, America's Conscious, that he lost as many as, or excuse me, he lost in direct competition with a CNBC infomercial. It's a guy with 900,000 plus followers. It's a guy with a platform forever on ESPN. It's a guy with the backing of HBO. He can't beat an infomercial. But hey, HBO, no one's calling you an ist. It's just funny. It's just really, really funny. I love it. Meanwhile, OutKick is becoming your go-to place for all your information. I know it is. I hear it from people every day. Hey, Dockage, I heard you for the first time. Love it. Hey, I heard 360. Love it. Within a year or so, we'll be one of the top 20 go-to places for all your sports information. It'll be a destination. Watch. And for this reason only, we're just going to tell you the truth, and we're not going to be afraid to. It's fearless. I think we're all tired. Like, there is an Anderson University uh, president who is literally practicing segregation. Look up my friend Indy Spanglish. Look him up. He'll tell you. I haven't seen the Indy Star talk about it yet. Not once. Why? They're afraid. They have a narrative. Hell, they made, they're they're one of those papers that as guys were throwing things through windows in downtown Indy and people were burning and shooting, they said it's peaceful protest. That's the Indy Star. They haven't said a word about it. Why? It doesn't fit their, uh, we're scared to be called an ist narrative. We scared of. Just tell the truth. I don't know. Maybe that's crazy. That is crazy. It's nuts. Hey, when we come back, I got What the Hell Wednesday. 
I love What the Hell Wednesdays. I got some audio on What the Hell Wednesdays. I got a guy that actually said doctors are guessing, guessing when a baby is born at their gender. That's the world we're living in. Oh, man, it is Wednesday. It's hump day. Today's mug is from Chicago. Yeah, my wife and I, when we go somewhere, we go get a Starbucks mug. Yeah. It's a nice little hobby. We got a zillion mugs. I keep breaking them because I bring them in my car. What are you going to do? What the hell Wednesday next? Thanks for being here. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, welcome. It's Don't At Me. And we have a Wednesday segment called What the Hell Wednesday. And I got to tell you, I ain't mad at What the Hell Wednesday. It's just things that we have noticed throughout the course of the the what, the week, whatever, that are just so insane that you just, there's no answer, right? You don't go, oh yeah, well, uh, uh, uh." no, it's just, you just throw up your hands and you go, what the hell? Uh, Let's go to the first one. Now, the first one here is an interesting dude. You know, teachers want us to believe that they should be able to talk about kids and talk to kids about sex when they're like three, four, five years old. So let's hear from this genius right here. Go ahead, play this genius. And something something cool about me, Miss Hammond? All right. All right, so something that's really cool and unique about who I am is that I am transgender. So we touched a little bit about that at the beginning of this week uh, in the book that Miss Hammond read, but I'm going to give you my explanation about what it means to be transgender as well. So when babies are born, the doctor looks at them and they make a guess about whether the baby is a boy or a girl based on what they look like. And most of the time that guess is 100% correct. There are no issues whatsoever. Um, But sometimes the doctor is wrong. The doctor makes an incorrect guess. Um, When the doctor makes a correct guess, that's when a person is called cisgender. When a doctor's guess is wrong, that's when they are transgender. So I'm a man. But when I was a baby, the doctors told my parents I was a girl. And so my parents gave me a name that girls typically have and bought me clothes that girls typically wear. Um, And until I was 18 years old, everyone thought I was a girl. And this was super, super uncomfortable for me because I knew that wasn't right. Um, The way I like to describe it is like wearing a super itchy sweater. Um, The longer you wear it, the itchier it gets. And the only way to make the itching stop is to have everyone see and know the person that you really are. So when I was 18, I told my family and my friends that I'm really a boy. And it was like this huge weight had been lifted off of my shoulders and I had the freedom to be who I truly am. And even though this experience is super challenging sometimes, um, I am su- it made me the person I am and I'm super proud to be transgender. I don't blame you for being proud. You can be proud of whatever you want, but doctors aren't guessing. I mean, I hey, look, and and you want that being told to your kid that doctors are guessing? I understand that you feel like you're somebody else inside. I totally understand that. I got no problem with that, but doctors aren't guessing. I mean, I'm sorry, but doctors aren't guessing. I see that. You know what? A doctor, oop, there you go. I see that. Oop, there you go. They ain't guessing. It, gender isn't guesswork. Now, internally, sure, I get that. But doctors aren't guessing. And I would have never played this had they not had, or this guy not had 
that in there, that doctors are guessing. You're, this is what is being told to kids. Doctors are guessing. Lee, did you know doctors are guessing on the gender? Jesus. Hey, you want to, you think you're a woman inside. You don't oh. need to go to school to determine. You just have to guess. Yeah, just guess. Just, hey. Look, you feel like a woman inside and you're a guy? Fine. Change your gender if that's what you need to do. But don't tell me doctors are guessing. Uh, right? Particularly don't be, be an educator and tell students doctors are guessing. Yeah, and don't even tell kids. Like, why, why do kids have to be t- Let them figure it out. Why does a teacher have to tell us this? Let the parents tell them. Parents can tell them. Grandparents can tell them. You know who else? Family members. Everybody doesn't have a traditional nuclear family, Lee. So a grandparents may t- let them tell them, not some freaking teacher. How about we go reading, writing, arithmetic? How about we do that? That would be a novel approach. I don't want my teacher's morals. I don't care about my teacher's morals. I don't care about my politician's morals. You know what I care about, Lee? I don't need eight and a half percent. And I don't need some freaking kindergarten teacher. Tell, and you know what the first graders are like? Exactly. Are we going to go play? <laughs> uh, when do we play? Uh, Mr. S- or Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so is talking. I don't know. In first grade, weren't we eating glue? Oh, that's right. Lee just said in first grade, weren't we eating glue? I was picking my nose and eating it. Oh, uh, hey, first grade. Well, you can be transgender, but, okay, great. I'm glad you are. Why does this have to be forced down our throats in first grade? Why? Uh, the doctor's guessing. No, there's a wee-wee there. Guess what? You're a boy. Now, maybe you change that, but I'm sorry. That's your boom. What a freaking world. All right, what do we got next here? I got to look at this. Ch- doctors are guessing. Okay. Yeah, this guy here, uh, let's put this one up. Some dude got arrested with, listen to this. He had drugs in his car, nothing unusual. Guns in his car, not that unusual. People have guns all the time. And Lee, this guy had an alligator in his car. (laughs) So he had drugs, he had guns. And he had an alligator. I don't know. And I know the alligator gives it away. But guess where he lived? Florida. Yeah, think. You sure it wasn't a suitcase? You know <laughs> it wasn't shoes. <laughs> Lee just said, is it shoes? Is it a suitcase? No, it, was, it wasn't a suitcase. I saw yesterday Ben Simmons was wearing a, a weird-looking, uh, like, a, a leather-looking jacket. And they're like, oh, that's leather, pleather? What do you got? He goes, no, it's lamb. He was wearing lamb. <laughs> this, wasn't, this wasn't shoes. Hey, look at these new alligator shoes. Oh, <laughs> uh, Lee, that's funny. I didn't even think about luggage. Hey, look at my luggage. Hey, wait a second. That thing could bite. Yeah. The dude in his car had let not only, look, we understand. No, we don't understand. You shouldn't have it. But let's be honest. You got a little weed in your car. All right. What are you going to do? Right? You got some weed. Don't have weed in your car. But, hey, look, you got weed in your car, you got weed in your car. I don't know what I can tell you. It's what, <laughs> it's what it is. 
you got some guns in your car. Well, that's not great. All right, let, let's hope, just for the sake of argument, let's just hope that the guns are registered and everything's all right. But I'm going to read this to you. All right, this is why Outkick's your destination. Like, <sighs> Michael Moroli. All right. Now, Florida's the best, right? Florida gives you all this. A guy had a few firearms. Oh, I'm sorry, some meth. And a baby, baby, baby uh, alligator. His real name is Michael Moroli. He was pulled over because of a suspended license. But the reason he got arrested was in his GMC Sierra was uh, a live baby alligator in an open plastic tub in the trunk's bed, two firearms inside. And if you look at this dude, multiple syringes loaded with meth. Now, I'm stunned at that combination. I'm stunned. Loaded syringes with meth. So he gets arrested, faces two counts of carrying a concealed firearm, possession of a controlled substance of meth, possession of narcotic equipment, potential charges regrading to trapping an alligator without a valid alligator license. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, an alligator trapping license is a real thing. So he has a hearing coming up on May 2nd. Can you imagine? You're driving down the street, cops pull you over, and you got a, you got a bunch of syringes of meth. Oh, man. I don't even think that's the most wacky one. I'm sorry. I don't even think. This one, um, this one's somewhat typical. All right? I'm not saying it's right. But this one, I think we're all used to. So a Mississippi woman decided that, hey, I'm going to umpire. She's umpiring 12-year-old softball game. Just a 12-year-old softball game. I'm an umpire. Next thing you know, her name is Christy Moore. Next thing you know, a woman wearing a Mother of the Year shirt, Kiara Thomas, was asked to leave the ballpark. Kiara Thomas was swearing. So Christy Moore says, hey, let's go. Then the coach of Ms. Thomas's team says, get out, kicks her out. The coach told her to leave. Well, it doesn't end there. And of course it doesn't end there. Kiara Thomas, who is literally wearing a mother of the year shirt, waits in the parking lot. She's sitting there. She's waiting. Mother of the year. She's going to get ready in Laurel, Mississippi, to extract her revenge on the very petite umpire. Ms. Thomas, not so petite. She's a big old gal. So Ms. Thomas says, um, I'm going to wait. She waits. And resplendent in her biggin' T-shirt that says Mother of the Year, she puts a beat down. She puts a beat down. It's ridiculous, Ms. Moore said. The verbal abuse and even now the physical abuse, enough is enough. Had enough. And I mean, she got herself a shiner right there. Uh, left eye, so it'd be right here. She got herself a face full. Yeah. 
man, what are we doing in Georgia? A bunch of dudes chased and stomped a referee. You know, when you want to know why there's a shortage of referees in this country, why people don't want to do it, I'll tell you why. Because a mother of the year is going to wait on you in the parking lot and whoop that backside, baby. There used to be a saying in Gary, Indiana, we may lose the game, but we're going to win the fight. It didn't include mothers. It included students, mostly, maybe an adult, not much gunplay, maybe a tire iron or two. But it certainly, I don't think, included the mother of the year. God bless America. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to sit right in the parking lot. You disrespected my 12-year-old daughter's strike zone. How dare you not give my daughter the black on the plate? How dare you call her out at home plate? I'm going to cuss at you. All right, you threw me out. You just wait to see what happens. I'm going to whoop some backside in the parking lot because you disrespected my 12-year-old softball playing daughter strike zone. I'm going to teach you a lesson. <laughs> Man, God is great. Beer is good. And people are crazy. You know they are. You know, people are insane. I mean, when I say insane, I mean insane. All right, you ever get a spam email that says you won the lottery, you won million dollars, three million? I never have either. And I, I want, if, the, if I ever played a lottery, which I really don't, I should, I would hope that if I got an email saying that I won money, it wouldn't go to spam. I get a lot of spam emails, I'm sure you do too, of the couple of things. One, hey, can you help me out? I'm stranded here in Liberia or Serbia or wherever the hell it is, and I got no money, and can you send me cash? I get that. And then I get another one that says, I, you know, I got $13 million coming through a prince or something. You know what I mean? Uh, do you guys get those? I get those. And I never really do anything about it. Now, when I was struggling as a coach, I would get these prayer things, and I did it. I'd send them to people. I'm like, hey, we need some help. I'll send them to parents. Hey, man. How about a little help? These prayer emails. Pass this on to eight people and you're going to have good luck. I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. But I never really do or pay that much attention to my spam. In fact, unless somebody sends me an email that I didn't get, I don't even go to my spam. I might now listen to this. Laura Spears said, well, she just happened to check her spam fold. She just happened to check it. She didn't, I don't know. She got an email notifying her that she had won $3 million. She's 55 years old. She's from Oakland County in Michigan. She bought Mega Millions tickets on a lottery website for a draw on the 31st of December last year. So she went on the website, just said, hey, I'm going to give me some lottery tickets. Probably forgot about it. Doesn't check her spam site. Next thing you know... She matches, she matches all five numbers. Now, when you match all five, that's a million. But listen to this. She multiplied her prize because she had paid for the Megaplier. So she said, I saw that on Facebook that the Mega Millions jackpot was getting pretty high. So I got on my account and bought a ticket. A few days later, I was looking for a missing email, which is what I do. That's the only time I go to spam. 
is when somebody says, hey, Dan, I sent you an email. Did you get it? Usually my friend Bart Fox, who was our producer at ESPN, he would send me an email. I wouldn't get it. So I would look for it in the spam. Voila. Guess what? I would find an email or two that I might, might need or might, oh, I missed that one. But it was never for millions of dollars. Or maybe it was. You know what happens when I'm here? When I go to the beard, I'm doing some thinking. Maybe I should check my spam. Anyways, she says, a few days later, I was looking for a missing email from someone, so I checked the spam folder. Then, she says, I saw an email from the lottery saying I had won a prize. I couldn't believe what I was reading. So I logged into my lottery account to confirm the message. Listen to this. It was shocking when she saw that she had won on her lottery account $3 million. How about that? I'm definitely adding the Michigan lottery to my safe senders list. So just in case I ever get lucky enough to receive a little email about a huge prize, that's her problem. You know, like 80% of lottery winners go broke. Here's what she said. She's claimed her winnings last week and plans to share the money with her family and retire early. Really? Be careful. Because that $3 million is about $1.5 Let's go $1.7. Now you're at $1.7. Now you're going to give some to family. What are you going to give to family? Be careful. Be careful. $1.7 under this administration lasts you about a month and a half if you're buying groceries for a family of five. Don't think that that $1.7 is going to last a lifetime. Don't think that at all, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-uh. No. No, no. Nay, nay, Nanook. Nope. Be careful, you lottery winners, because you seem to always blow it. A lot of you end up in jail. Don't end up in jail because you made money. Take the money, do something nice for yourself, pay your taxes, and be careful. I talked about this last night. Ooh, look here. Foam. My wife put foam in the coffee. Pretty good. Got a little foam thing. My daughter turned this on to. Nice. Anyway, here's the deal. Last night, during the Minnesota Timberwolves game in Minneapolis against the LA, uh, LA Clippers, a woman decided, you know what? I think it's a good idea, so I'm going to do it. What's that idea, you ask? I am going to super glue myself to the court. I think we have the picture. I'm not sure. But hey, let's be honest. If we're not going to, there she is. Good for her. Hey, dad. Yeah, honey. What'd you do last night? I super glued myself to the Timberwolves court. Really? What'd you do that for? Well, you know, the owner of the Timberwolves, he, well, you know, he has a chicken farm. Uh Uh-huh. And every chicken, you know, they die. Okay. All right. What what, what do you want me to do with that one? Well, you know, um, I don't know. I feel like protesting, raise awareness. Oh, okay. Now people are aware. They're aware you're a freaking idiot. They're aware you're a dumbass. They're aware that you are a fool. Alisa Santurio. Santurio. She arrived. She went. She wore a shirt. Glenn Taylor, the owner, roast 
Animals Alive, an animal rights group called Direct Action Everywhere. The tacky, see what they did there, protester, was instructed to stick herself to the court as a way to expose team owners Glenn Taylor's factory farm brutally killing 5 million birds via ventilation shutdown. All right. There you go. Maybe it's a valid protest. Maybe something comes of it. You know what I mean? I'm not mad at you. Hey, guess what the Timberwolves did? Wait for it. Hold on. This isn't an original. Who wrote this article for OutKick? Hold on. Hang on. Uh, Alejandro Avia. So Alejandro writes, hold on. The Timberwolves stuck together. That's right. They stuck together and emerged victorious last night. All right. Oh, listen to this. The Clippers, wait for it, laid an egg in the game's final minutes. Playing sloppy defense, getting bested on the boards. Yeah. There you go. I love it. We were talking off air, Dylan and I. You know, apparently it was super glue. I got to believe it's hard. You know, what do you do? Glue your backside? I mean, glue the hell out of it and sit and lay down, hope it sticks. Oh, man. We need better security at NBA arenas, don't we? I think we do. If you have a what the hell for Wednesday, feel free to send it to me. Dan at 1070thefan.com is the perfect place because there are more and there are better ones. And the world that we live in is absolutely glorious for this kind of stuff. Seriously. You know, it is pretty funny. It is, it is pretty funny. Guys are like, well, you know, the debt increased $7 trillion under Trump. Yeah, right, great. But you know what? The debt increased, but I ain't paying 8.5% inflation. Nah, I don't know. Get mad about it all you'd like, but I ain't paying it. Well, but you know, it amazes me. I'm going to go back to that. It amazes me that folks still sit around and defend this craziness. Even birds are crapping on them. Think about it. Even birds are crapping on on the president. Now, here's the deal. That's good luck. Did you know that? So I had a party a few years ago, and I invited Mark Boyle. He was one of the invites. He's the play-by-play host or play-by-play announcer of the Indiana Pacers. And Mark's a friend of mine. So Mark's over, and we're having a party in my backyard. got a little pool out there. We're having a good time. All of a sudden, a bird craps right on. Now, if you know Mark Boyle, you know that that is probably apropos. Love Mark Boyle. He's a ridiculously funny, great dude. Ridiculously great. But a bird crapped on him. So uh, all of a sudden, you know, he's like, oh, man, a bird crapped on me. Well, you know what? Three different people all at the same time said the same thing. Oh, that's good luck. Did you ever hear that? Anybody ever tell you that? So a bird craps right here. Hey, Dan, that's good luck. Well, it's not good luck for this sweatshirt or whatever the hell this thing is that I have on. I'm looking resplendent in a little bit of purple. It's not good luck for that. But apparently now, and I want the president to have good luck. So the bird crapping on him is good luck, then I am all for it. And I think we all should be all for it. 
So later on in the show, when we come back, I've got some mean tweets. I got to tell you something. Those of you that listen to my show in Indy, when I was doing games at ESPN, you hate my team. I had people want to burn me. If I was Mina, uh, Mina Kimes, I'd be in a coma right now. Oh, man, Mina Kimes gets all the, this is the disrespect women get. Oh, really? Try following my Twitter after doing a game. People want me dead. I've been asked to bury myself alive. Guy said if I come to their town, he's going to light me on fire. I had a cop want to shoot me. Are you serious? All because I didn't say nice things about their team. Ah, you were mean to my team. Ah, we want somebody nice. Ah. So I've got some mean tweets, but they're not nearly as good as they used to be. They used to be dynamite. I got to get back to the point where I'm not lovable anymore. Mean tweets are the best. When I decided, I don't know, three or four mo- weeks ago that I was not going to respond to anybody that was sending me anything, good or bad. I'm not responding. I'm not fighting with people anymore. It's the best move I've made. Better than getting off of Twitter a year ago. Much better move. And whenever I say something, I can tell you the names, and a couple of them are in here, that are going to be mad at me. Hell, one of them is Mike Woodson's daughter, Mariah. Mariah Woodson. I think she's like an influencer or something. I don't know. (laughs) Don't be Dan. Being Dan is pretty good. Look, I got St. Louis now. Ah, foam. I got St. Louis. Originally it was Chicago, now it's St. Louis. The coffee cups just keep coming. But if you have if you have anything that you want to send me, also coming up, I got some fades. Uh, I'm on fire. I am. I hate to say it, but I'm on fire. I took Evan Mobley yesterday. Uh, over 16 because that's what my guy Jimmy Cook said, and I took it, and we, we, we won it. Baseball, I'm on fire. I'm going to give you a couple baseball. I'll give you some NBA tonight. Uh, and Bobby Barak's going to come on. Bobby's the greatest writer in the history of the world. Bobby is America's conscious. B-U-R-A-C-K. Go to OutKick. I'm telling you, he is the only guy that I actually do this. Those of you that know me, Know that my entire life, what have I done? I've read the paper. If Royco wrote it, I read it. If Al Hamnick in the Gary Post Tribune wrote it, I read it. If John Mudka wrote it, I read it. Wes Lacocious, I read it. All right? I read it. Bobby Barak's the only guy I read now because everybody else is so full of crap. Everybody else is so bad. We're the only city, Indianapolis, that has a columnist who says he wins awards, Greg Doyle, that nobody wants to have on the radio because he's always wrong about everything. It's not even that interesting. When you're just wrong about everything, what do you do? Standing ovation for Sean Mill- or Archie Miller to be hired, supposedly body bags at the 500, the blueprint for the Super Bowl. I mean, it's ridiculous. So the only guy that I read is Bobby Brack. Bobby is America's conscious. He is not unafraid. He is on OutKick. I am not pubbing this just for OutKick. I read Bobby before I joined OutKick. If Bobby wrote it and I saw it on Twitter, I read it. Bobby's going to join me coming up here at 1030. We come back. I got some mean tweets, ladies and gentlemen. And don't be afraid to send more. Charlie Savage, where are you? Defend the 8.5%. Well, you know Trump. No, I don't know Trump. He ain't the president. He ain't the president. Your guy's the president. 
81 million people voted for this goof. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Do a little research. You'll find out they didn't. All right. Bobby Barack at 1030. Mean tweets coming up. I got a fades coming, and I'm going to keep talking because that's what I do. Stay right here. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Hey, welcome back. Uh, mean tweets, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Are we gonna, we're going to post these, right? We're going to let's put the first one up. Chrissy underscore Heller. Now, Chrissy is an Indiana fan. And about three weeks ago, actually, I can tell you, 3-18-22, I tweeted out, fatigue isn't bothering Notre Dame. Amazing what having mature win-first guys can accomplish. IU fan, you'll always have your TikTok videos. Hope this helps. Well, Christy, a little slow to the party, but still angry, seemingly very angry. Uh, She responded on the 11th of April. Dockich, you've always been a huge D-bag. Those kids played five games and then had to fly across the friggin' country on a later flight to boot to play their next game. Yes, fatigue does take over. But then again, your lazy mm, wouldn't know that, would it? Shut up. Christy, with all due respect, I would know it. I mean, I played and I coached for 100 years. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I know, crazy. You got to understand, crazy woman IU fan. They're like Biden people. Crazy woman IU fan will defend their boys. Yeah, okay. Xavier Johnson, worth defending. Quit in the game, just got arrested. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a real gem, that one. So, I, uh, yeah, if you're going to defend somebody, yeah, I think defending him is good. But see, even these, I got something on my nose. Even these aren't as good as me burning. The douchebag, all right, I accept. I accept. Look, I don't have any problem being called certain names. I honestly don't. I know I'm supposed to. I know we're all supposed to be sad when somebody calls us names. And the most tolerant of us all, I think Christy, let me see here. I think Christy says, oh, she loves animals, especially horses, and will help anyone that needs it. Well, apparently, except for me. Christy, I need help. <laughs> uh, Christy does not. She does not just call me a douche. She calls others as well. That apparently is her, is her thing. So she down there in Cincinnati, where the beautiful people are. But Christy, oh, she called somebody else uh, another name. Christy's an interesting gal. But anyway, she's angry. I like being the subject of her anger, and away we're going to go. So Christy's next one. He's a douche. Apparently, I'm a douche. Christy feels me to be a douche. Well, I don't blame her. I don't think I am. I think I'm one of the five all-time greatest guys here. But again, this is to Xavier Johnson, a man who may have been in jail when she sent this. I'm not sure. But I'm the douche. I understand. To Indiana fans, I'm the douche. That's fine. I got no problem with that. Uh, She also calls me a piece of you-know-what, just like Dockage. Christie's not happy with me. So Christie is reaching out to Xavier Johnson, who may have been in jail at this time. I don't know. He had to spend a few days. Don't listen to anything he says. He, he hates IU because they didn't hire him as their head coach when Knight left. He's just butthurt. That's not even strong. 
Knight left in 2000. I didn't want the job in 2000. You want to be the guy following the guy. They hired me in 2008. The day they didn't hire me, I was cool with it. I was with my son. I'm looking at him going, hey, I don't want that. So I became a media superstar. But the whole butthurt thing is a common uh, crazy woman NIU reaction when somebody doesn't just love you. But hey, Xavier. <laughs> Xavier, don't listen to anything I say. I wouldn't. But the problem with this is when you're an Indiana player or a Kentucky player or any player, you know crazy. So I feel bad because, you know, I know crazy. And that's just, you know, that's just what fans do. But yeah, Xavier, Xavier, don't listen. <laughs> All right, let's move on from Chrissy because Chrissy's the best. We love Chrissy. Chrissy's just an IU fan living out her dream in Kentucky, Cincinnati. <laughs> anyway, uh, haterpotamus. So this goes back to a tweet that I love sending. Find yourself a niche in Twitter. My man Indy Spanglish puts BS you not, and then he shows some ridiculous thing. Whenever I see Joe Biden speak, and he goes, Oh, I always put a quote tweet and say 81 million votes. Meaning, you idiots voted for this guy. 81 of you, which didn't happen. Of course it didn't happen. Of course there's so much fraud going on. But hey, what are you going to do? And that doesn't come, a lot of people say, well, that just comes from your master, Clay Travis. No, that comes from me. I know voter fraud. I grew up around voter fraud. But here's the deal. Grown men. So sometimes I'll look at the picture of the man that sends this, and I'm looking at it, and it's big heavy. And he's got his requisite goatee, and he's standing there like the Gazda with his arm out. And I say to myself, what happened to real men? Would you ever, I want you to think about this, Jennifer, you are kind of the woman that dictates how men should be, all right? Would you ever date a guy that uses the word haterpotamus? Tell us how you really feel there, haterpotamus. The world is awesome. I never thought of myself as an incredibly macho guy. But when I see guys like old Billy here using haterpotamus, I start to feel better about my machismo. I'm like, man, there's a couple things I would never do. One is use haterpotamus. Or I think I would, the only potamus I would do would be hippopotamus. I don't think I would ever go uh, lover potamus. Racist potamus? <laughs> but Billy here, man, i tell you one thing Twitter has done. Twitter has opened my eyes to the morons in this world. Uh, Jennifer, you're a hater potamus. Let's go to the next one. They're not as good. They used to be, oh, I don't know. They used to be about how I should die in a car wreck. I don't want to die in a car wreck. 
Uh, John Mathis keeps it simple. I love that John Mathis keeps it simple. This is John Mathis's reaction. Dan is old and stupid. So here's what I said. This is reaction to a tweet that we put out here on Outcome. To be old and wise, you must first be young and stupid. It's a great line. And I said, stop trying to be perfect. So John Mathis has nothing better to do than to put that out. Now, John is smart, right? John is smart. So John just tweeted out again, for the love of God, put a hat on Dan. I don't know why guys are so interested in how I look. Like, women lose their mind. When I show up at a bar, particularly when I was single, oh, my God, panties were flying. Dudes like John Mathis, they're just going, hey, hey, put a hat on. John, I I don't know what to tell you, Ben, but the truth of the matter is uh, I look like I look. What can I tell you? Keep them coming. It's amazing. It really is amazing. Doggett, you look. Okay. Wait, can you imagine if I was mean to Kimes and you said that, John Mathis? I know it's easy to insult a 59-year-old white guy, but I get it. I totally get it. At least you didn't say Potamus. At least you didn't do that. Put a hat on the hater Potamus. Man, I ain't even that macho, but I got you guys' ass kicked. Uh, Indie sports guy, he is reacting. It's the best. Indie sports guy is reacting to my 81 million votes after <laughs> after Joe Biden says, I was, listen to this, hold on. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him in a... Uh, listen to this. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was traveling the Himalayas. <laughs> what? What? So I put 81 million votes. Oh, man. And this guy got mad about it. What are you mad about it? He won't vote for anyone that I'll vote for. Oh, you just stay stupid. I mean, it's like sometimes people on Twitter will say, well, for the first time, I agree with Dockage. Well, for the first time, you're not an idiot. Well, let me tell you. I would never vote the same political party or candidate as Dockage. Well, you're an idiot. I mean, why would you? Why wouldn't you vote for the one that you think is the best? Why wouldn't you vote for the one that you've researched, like I do, and think would be great for our country? Is that, is that crazy? I'm telling you right now. I wouldn't vote for that hater Potamus. Huh? <laughs> Man, ESPN used to ask me, why do you respond to people? Well, I'll tell you why I used to respond to people. And tell me if, if you wouldn't think this is cool. When I was a kid, I loved broadcasters. Like, I would watch... And I was always mad that with the Bears, we got Dave Ryan and Johnny Morris. But I knew. And then I remember the one time, I think it was NBC, when a broadcasterless game, I think it was a Jets game, and it was awful. Loved Howard Cosell. Loved him. 
I wasn't big on Dandy Don Stick. I loved Howard Cosell. I, I don't know why, I just did. All right? So I pay attention to announcers. It would have been cool, I feel, if, uh, I don't know, I had some way to contact after a game Howard Cosell and he responded. So that's why I used to respond to people on Twitter because they would see me doing the Michigan State game, cry like the little batches that Michigan State fans are, and next thing you know, I'd hit them back with some of my magic. <laughs> well, I always thought it was cool. I don't know. I'm kind of naive. I don't look as deep into responses as you all do. But anyway, now I'm not, so you all have ruined it for everyone. But I am a haterpotamus. Uh, I think I'm going to wear that. I'm going to get a T-shirt. Can anybody get a T-shirt for me that says haterpotamus on it? Because some big old... Why does every guy now have a dumbass-looking goatee? Like, can anybody explain that to me? Is there any, hey, Jennifer, can you explain that to me? I wish we had a call-in. Maybe the day we're going to have call-in on my other show and say, why does every guy feel like they've got to have a dips, you know what, goatee? A big old furry goatee. Explain that to me. I don't know. But all I know is I'm going to make us some money. Yeah, John Madden was the best. That's right. John Madden was the best. John Madden, when he was doing a game, or Brett Musburger. I had, the, I had the pleasure of doing a game with Brett Musburger. It was awesome. He lied to me. He said, hey, Bobby Knight says hello. I go, no, he didn't. He's a, and I'm a, to him. All right. Anyway, the YouTube chat is bumping. Go to YouTube.com. We're talking energy. We're talking, uh, I don't know, a lot of good stuff right there. Hater Potamus. I would rather, I would rather, this is how I think, I would rather you tell me to do something that is anatomically impossible for me to do than to call me a hater potamus. You understand what I'm saying? Hater potamus. Yeah, if you put mine and Clay Travis's DM and tweets that get sent to us, uh, you can make a comedy special. You can make Mina Kimes get into a fog. Oh, my God, they're mean to women. Mean to women. <laughs> hey, come see me when a state trooper in Iowa puts out that if anybody's in Carver Hawkeye Arena, they should shoot Dockage in the head. Come see me when that happens. Come see me when 12,000 people of Michigan State are chanting as one. We hate Dockich, and I stood up and gave him this. I never got an apology from anybody at Michigan State. Come see me, Mina, and the rest of you when that happens, and then let me know. Then I'll listen to you. Oh, my God, they sent me. Shut up. We hate Dockich, and you should have seen the looks on people's faces. Ooh. You come see me when you get stopped and people are MFing you, putting their phones in your face, and Jason Benetti, Jason Benetti, my dear friend, who has MS, is wanting to fight. I put my hands in the pocket because I know how it would go. He wanting to fight. He goes after a cop. Come see me when that happens to you, 
Oh, you poor little babies that get talked to. Clay Travis and myself, you put our stuff together. Oh, my God, it's the kings of comedy. Don't at me either. Let's make some money. You ready to make some money? Let's make some damn money. I'm going to tell you how into this making money I am. It's got its own page today. That's one page. It's got its own page. It's not a lot here, but it's got its own page. I don't need a lot. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Uh, Hater Potamus. All right, let's talk about a couple of things here. Let, let's, let's get into making money. I am on a roll of unprecedented proportions. I won 4,100. It would have been 5,100 if Villanova would have just caught the ball, stayed in bounds, got fouled, and made one free throw, but they didn't. But you know what? It happens. I never whine about what I've lost or what I've, uh, what happened because that's gambling. You don't want to, you gamble, you're going to get a bad beat. It's literally that simple. I think there's a pretty good opportunity today. Now, I'm not saying it's a perfect opportunity because there's no th such thing. And if anybody tells you they got a lock and if they're not named me, they're full of crap. All right. Let's go through some things. The Hawks minus four against the Hornets. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not in love with this. I'm going to play it, but I'm not in love with it. I got a feeling, you got to look at certain things here. Trey Young's the first guy, think about this, the first guy since Tiny Archibald, 1979, I believe, to lead the league in total points and total assists. That's unbelievable. That really is. It's incredible. Um, but, Last time he played Charlotte, he only had nine. They will not cover this four and a half, the Hawks, if they don't. If they don't, get about 35 out of Trey Young. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. I'm actually going the other way on this. When I sent this to Dylan, I said I was going to take the Hawks. But I'm changing my mind. I did a little research this morning. One of the things that the Charlotte Hornets can do is score. Both teams can score. But... Charlotte's been a little bit more consistent. Charlotte may not win the game, probably won't, but they're averaging 115 points a night. And I feel like this, this may be odd, this may not be right, but I feel like LaMelo Ball is going to ball out tonight. I feel like if you're a real dude and you're a confident dude, which I think he is, I think LaMelo Ball is going to have a big night. I'm going to change my bet here. I'm going to take the Charlotte Hornets, and I'll take the four. If you can get it four and a half, that'd be even better, obviously. I wouldn't take three and a half, but I'll take the four and over if you can find it. Look, the Hornets are sixth in scoring, but they've been struggling. Last year, the Hornets got it going in the playoffs. The Hornets were pretty good. Remember, they upset Boston. They were pretty good. There's nothing in the world that tells me that Charlotte isn't anything but a fraud. However, like Miles Bridges can dunk all he wants, and every Michigan State fan can send me a, a thing that says, oh, he doesn't have game, huh? No, he can dunk. And he'll go get 25 because everybody gets 25. He played enough minutes in the NBA. But the truth of the matter is um, I'm going to take, take the Charlotte Hornets and get the four. I think it's going to be a down-to-the-wire game. I'm not going to be surprised if Charlotte doesn't win. Uh, I'm going with five and a half. If you can still get five and a half. The next one, I'm going five and a half with the Spurs over the Pelicans. Pelicans have been good. Hey, there are guys that I don't know, like, like DeJounte Murray. I don't know where he went to college. 
I have no idea. I know where Keldon Johnson went. Keldon Johnson went to Kentucky for a year. But DeJounte Murray is at, listen to this. I did not realize this. 21, nine assists and eight rebounds. <laughs> That's like Hall of Fame numbers if you keep doing that. Now, he's going against a team that I respect. Tell you why I respect New Orleans. Number one, New Orleans started out one in 10 this year. Think about that. One in 10. New Orleans, we have crowned already Zion Williamson the next great thing, and we should. It's terrific, except he's fat. And when you're fat and you're trying to play in the NBA and you have no discipline, guess what? You get hurt. Fast forward, guess what? Zion Williamson got hurt. You can't be fat and play in the NBA. You can come into the NBA fat, and then you got to figure it out like Charles Barkley did, like a lot of guys did. You got to figure it out because the NBA will expose your fatness. And the pounding on your feet will expose your feet, expose your ankles. So don't be fat and try to play in the NBA. Have a dietitian. Have some discipline. Forget about it. But anyway, did you know that C.J. McCollum is also on New Orleans? Did you know this? He's only averaging 24 since he came. But I got to tell you, Greg Popovich and this crew, I don't think they're losing to a young upstart team. And the other reason I like New Orleans, I like Willie Green, the coach. Coached against Willie Green. He was a player at Detroit. Had a nice career, really good career in the NBA. Now he's a head coach in the NBA. He's a great dude. I don't know him that well personally, but whenever I coached against him, I think we did three different times, sophomore, junior, senior year. He was terrific. Remember, we beat him game before Christmas. One of the best nights of my coaching life. Why? They were, I think, around the top 25 or 30. We beat him. We beat him convincingly. We probably were 11 and 1. At that point, and it was Christmas break, and I got to get the hell out of there for a few days. It's terrific. But I always liked Willie Green. Always. thought Willie Green was great. So I'm rooting for New Orleans in a way. I think Popovich is an arrogant ass, and Popovich is from my hometown. We played the same Little League. He's older than me. My, one of my good friends, uh, older guy, Ron Felling, well, he was my good friend, not anymore, but he's a guy that we hung out a lot. Popovich was his student teacher. He spanked Popovich. I'm not a big Popovich fan. I think he's become pretentious, but that's all right. But I do think they're going to cover the four and a half, or five and a half if you can get it. I, had, I got five and a half last night. I don't know if it's still there. I got to imagine people are getting a little bit smarter. All right, this is going to sound really stupid to you, but I say this all the time. I'm a big Cub fan. Now, you may be a fan of the Reds. You may be a fan of whatever you are. I'm a big Cub fan. And I got to tell you, when the Cubs whoop up on the Pirates, the Cubs have a good year. Let me say that again because it doesn't make sense. When the Cubs whoop up on the Pirates, they have a good year. You're supposed to beat the Pirates. Like, I'm not saying you're supposed to beat, I don't know, St. Louis or any of these better teams, but the Pirates stinks. The Pirates stinks to high heaven. So if you beat up on them, for whatever the reason, this is how Cubs seasons go. If you beat up on them, you're usually pretty good. I don't think the Cubs are pretty good. I have no idea. But I know this. Kyle Hendricks against Zach Thompson, and the game starts at 1230. So it's perfect to get some action down. It's perfect to get a win. I'm not only taking the Cubs, I'm giving a run and a half. So I got to win by two. 
I like this bet. It's plus money. Cubs won yesterday 2-1, to one, which means if they're really good, and I don't think they are, but if they are, they'll win this 3-1, to 5-3, to three, something like that. Zach Thompson, very good pitcher. He's a big old dude. He's six foot seven. He's 230 pounds. Terrific. Strike you out. He'll strike you out. He'll get you. He lost 5 nothing and he won 5-4. That's it. All right? That's a lie. That's last year. Don't at me, people. I don't even know what Zach Thompson is, and I don't care. Uh, I think you're going to see a gem spun today by the modern-day Kyle Hendricks. I think you're going to see two-run lead, uh, basically, uh, probably the whole game, and I think the Cubs are going to win. I think they're going to win by two. And then I'm going to parlay that with the Reds. I am. Look, to me, the Reds stink. The Reds are on a fire sale. The Reds aren't any good. The Reds are playing Cleveland. That's fine. But they're playing against a guy named Tristan. That's the pitcher for the other team. They're going to crush Tristan. Nick, Nick, Nick Lodello is pitching. He literally looks like he's 10 years old. He's a stylish lefty at six foot six. I'm parlaying those two. I am. Now, you got to understand, this dude just came up from the minors. I have a theory. You ready for it? You guys that listen to my radio show know my theory. My theory is first game you play, whether it's off an injury, suspension, maybe you're called up, you pitch pretty good. You pitch pretty good. So he gets called up, all right, and now he catches a start. This is the opportunity of a lifetime for this kid, and we're going to see what he's made of. That's the reason you're getting pretty good odds. So the truth of the matter is, all right, I'm going to take the Cubs beating the Pirates, and I'm going to take the Reds and the Cubs in a parlay. And you know what's going to happen? Our toes are going to be tapping. See what I did there? Yeah, Yeah, I did. Yeah, I rhyme. I'm a rapper. I got a rapper living in the house. Check this out, seriously. Go check out the music of Jay Shaw. If you like rap music, I'm telling you, we play Jay Shaw out here on the lake, and people love it. We play Jay Shaw here at parties, and my kids are in their 20s, and all their friends love it. I don't know the difference. I just know he's really good. So go to Spotify, go wherever right now, and download some Jay Shaw if you like rap. Like, if you're an old, fat, white guy like me, I ain't that much into rap, but I do like Jay Shaw stuff. I'm not going to lie. Played it the other day while I was uh, cleaning the dishes. And Jay Shaw's in our house. Jay Shaw's Lee's son. Love Jay Shaw. And he's a great dude. So play some Jay Shaw. What the hell? Anyway, look, we come to shows like this because we want opinions, right? Isn't that what we want? We want opinions. We'll give you some opinions. Bobby Barack and I are going to just knock it out of the park. I mean, knock it out of the park. Guys are all over me. Miles Bridges is expected to command a max salary. Five years, $173 million. Yeah, okay, great. I said he had no game six years ago. What do you want me to do? It's amazing how my thoughts stick with people. Eh, it's amazing. Anyway, mother of the year, baby. Boom! Punched an umpire. You're disrespecting my 12-year-old. Strike zone. What? Huh? Huh? 
All right, when we come back, Bobby, Bobby Barak, America's conscience. Bobby Barak should be on every news show, and it should be America's conscience. When guys write, I used to read them. When Bobby Barak writes, I read them. Now, nah. Hey, did you see what this guy wrote? No. Did you see what Bobby Barak wrote? Uh, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Be right back with Bobby Barak. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, it's America's conscience. That's right. It's America's conscience. I've told you this. I will keep telling you this. I will not stop telling you this. There are very few people anymore, when they write it, I read it. Bobby, right here, Bobby Barak is the guy that if he writes it, I read it. And I did it before I was on OutKick. I do it because he is, in my opinion, the only guy, girl, whatever, in the media that's going to shoot me straight. And Bobby is nice enough to join us now. My man, how are you? What's happening? What's the latest? Dan, everything's good. What's going on? All right. I got to go through some stuff. All right. CNN Plus. Now, one, a lady that I really got to like, Stephanie Slovis, left our show to become the uh, producer of Rex Chapman's show on CNN Plus. And I love Stephanie. She's awesome. Will she have a job in two weeks? Ooh, I mean, if you say she's a good worker, I'm rooting for it, but it doesn't look very good, Dan. I mean, this thing's launched not even three weeks in, and it's only averaging about 10,000 viewers all day long from 6 a.m. to whenever it shuts down, people go to bed, maybe 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. Nobody's watching this thing. Nobody's subscribing. And I just sit back and wonder, why did anybody think people would pay extra for CNN, nobody watches CNN for free on linear television. So why would people pay extra for CNN Plus? And I might add, the people on CNN Plus are worse than the people on CNN. I mean, this service is headlined by Chapman, Jamel Hill, Carrie Champion, Don Lemon, Brian Stelter. I can't think of a worse group to watch for free, let alone for $60 a year. Is that what it costs? I was going to ask you that. So it's, it's, it's $60 for the year, and you get all these guys. Now, we're giving it some pretty good pub here, which is fine. But, hey, look, if you're turning in to watch those clowns, I can't help you. But it's 60 bucks. Yeah, right? I mean, you get a year's pass for $60, uh, it, which, you know, at some point you could say, well, that's not that much money if you're paying for other services. But this is on top of the bevy of other services that households – subscribe to including netflix disney plus it really goes back to these major media corporations all trying to compete with netflix netflix rewrote the entire identity of broadcasting and media with this direct-to-consumer pay each month for a library of content and so far most of these companies are failing the only one that's really even somewhat challenged or put a dent in netflix marketplace is Disney because they have such an extensive library, but CNN is not Disney. They can't compete with Netflix. And 
there's nothing that CNN can offer that's going to be must-have month after month or for a year past. Very similar, I think, to what Discovery is struggling with, which now owns CNN. Their Discovery Plus content's fine, but no one wants to pay $10 a month for some extra Discovery Plus content. In order to get the Netflix model down, you have to have exclusive content that households cannot go without, and CNN does not join that group. Yeah, we, I mean, look, whether you whether it's Fox or CNN, people people watch this for the, the news, right? Uh, you know, and, and Rex Chapman didn't help himself during the NCAA tournament. Jamel Hill, I think, is a very niche audience. You've got to think everything is racist for Jamel Hill. Carrie Champion, you know, she was on SportsCenter a little bit. Um, Steltzer, whatever the hell his name is, I watched him be grilled by some student at the University of Chicago, and I'm like, my God. And Don Lemon, you know, I, whatever. And and ever since Anderson Cooper shrieked uh, taking a shot of whiskey at New Year's Eve, I'm done with him. I got to have a little bit more macho than that. But there isn't anything on here that makes me go, God, I want more than just the news on CNN. Is there? There's nothing. Right. And I think that brings an interesting point. Not only is this just a lackluster lineup of a lot of people nobody likes that nobody would want to watch for free on like Facebook Live or IG Live, but I think it reaches a broader point is that I don't know if people want to pay for any store, any sort of studio show or studio coverage. Um, we take it a step further, say what you want about it, but Stephen A. Smith is the biggest draw in sports media. From what I've heard, nobody's really watching his show on ESPN+. Plus. I don't care if you're Brian Stelter, Stephen A. Smith, Tucker Carlson, Ben Shapiro, whoever. It's all a big ass to get someone to pay to watch somebody talk people pay to watch movies people pay to watch tv series maybe concerts comedy specials as far as daily studio shows go there's no evidence that they work on a direct-to-consumer model a good example is john stewart he now has a show on apple tv plus well nobody's watching him on apple tv plus but they're watching his clips for free on YouTube. He's reaching over a million views per clip on YouTube. So I think that just goes to show that people don't want to pay for this type of content. Bobby, the infatuation continues with Bomani Jones and the losing continues with Bomani Jones. Why is Bomani Jones still a thing on TV? Podcast, great. He's got a lot of Twitter followers. That's all fine. But why is Bomani Jones still a thing on our airway, on TV? Oh, yeah, what a wild story. So just a recap, this guy's career, ESPN gave him a radio show. His lowest-rated ESPN radio show ever. He lost over 90 affiliates in afternoon drive time. So what ESPN did is they canceled his radio show and gave him a TV show called High Noon for $2.4 million a year. They first put him after first take. He failed there at noon. Then they put him at 4 p.m., and he failed there, too, so they had to cancel that show. But no worries. Because of his privilege, HBO then signed him and gave him this new weekly sports show 
foul with the highly rated John Oliver. And Dan, this is the lowest rated HBO show in modern day history. He's losing 80% of John Oliver's rating. He's failing most weeks to even chart. And a couple of weeks ago, he lost to a 2 a.m. infomercial called Paid Programming on CNBC. I've never seen somebody fail like this. And I made it pretty clear yesterday. It's all because HBO and ESPN, they know if they cancel this guy like they should or boot him off the airways or refuse to re-sign him, right away, Bomani and his lackeys in the media, like The Ringer and The Atlantic and Slate and all the other ones, they'll right away say, well, HBO's racist. They didn't give Bomani another shot. ESPN's racist. I, in all seriousness, this guy has more puff pieces written about him in the past few weeks than he has viewers. Every single day, somebody else is writing a fawning piece about how great this guy is. There's nothing great about him. He's one of the biggest failures in media. Uh, I think it's disgusting the opportunities he's taken away from people that actually deserve to have their own show. I mean, this guy doesn't deserve to even have a podcast based on his ratings. What, what, why is the media, why are they so in pocket? Is everybody so afraid to be called a racist? Oh, of course. It's, see, we got to a point where, see, when I was growing up, Dan, when you were growing up, in order to be called a racist, you had to say or do something that's actually racist. Now you have to prove you're not racist. It's the default that if you're white, you are racist. So these white executives at ESPN, HBO, they feel obligated to prove to places like the New York Times and Brian Stelter, who we just talked about, that they're not racist. There's no better way to prove you're not racist than they give Bomani Jones a show to call other white people racist. That's what the show is. Right? Yeah, basically, it's just him pointing out what other white guy is racist. I mean, maybe if he's lucky, he'll call a white woman racist. But mostly, he talks about how racist white guys are. How does it work at HBO? Do do shows just get canceled? Do they do they go through a, a, a season at least? I mean, how does it work? Like, you know, we always hear about, well, this show got canceled on NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox. How does it work with a, with a station like HBO? Yeah, so his show, um, similar to most shows in her first season, HBO has the option to pick it up or cancel it after the first season. So his final episode of this season will air on Sunday. Then HBO will have a window to decide whether or not they renew or cancel the show. As we know, a couple of years ago, after Bill Simmons' first season, they axed him. They got Simmons off the airways, and Simmons was drawing double, triple what Bomani is. So if they re-sign Bomani, that'll be pretty telling. Um, so for the more successful shows, say like the upcoming HBO prequel, House of the Dragon, um, HBO's already, I believe, renewed it for a second season. So some of those shows get renewed ahead of time. That way they give the writers and showrunners um, leeway to write towards a certain point that way they don't have to write towards an ending every season but a show like Bomani's would be renewed season by season um Bobby I want to get into something with you 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 wrote yesterday I didn't realize this in fact I was talking to my stepson I'm like hey being a Walmart driver ain't a bad gig man 110k in a right uh I find this fascinating this has been a topic that I've been talking about really for the better part of the past two years, society tells all these students and really from elementary that you have to go to college, that four-year grads are so much better off. They're superior 
the blue collar workers. That's such a lie. That's such a hustle to tell students that, you know, take out big student loans and rely on the government. College is not for everybody. If you're going to be an engineer or a scientist or a doctor, obviously college is a prereq to getting there and college is the route to go. But for a lot of Americans, a lot of Americans, college is a dead end for so many. Um, the average college graduate for your bachelor degree averages about $56,000 a year. That's not that much. Walmart's paying truck drivers to start out 110000 That's more than double what a college graduate earns. And truck drivers only have to take a 12-week course to work at Walmart. And that's not even to mention other workers like welders, plumbers, furnace installers, carpenters, pipe fitters. Some of these guys are making $150,000, $160,000 a year with zero college debt. Um, what's going on here is that society and educators have told so many students, you have to go be a teacher, you have to work in private equity, that those jobs are no longer in demand. How many people do we know that have teaching degrees that can't find a full-time job? Conversely, there's so many openings for blue-collar workers because nobody wants to get down and do those jobs anymore. Um, it's really an in-demand field. Any type of job that works with your hands, a valuable trade, you can make a lot of money quickly. And best of all, you'll have options because they're looking for truck drivers, welders in every city, in every state. You can bounce around as much as you want. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a, I, I don't recommend it because I'm too soft to do it. But my brother-in-law is a uh, iron worker. And man, he's got, other than the fact that you got to do what he does, he's got a great life going, ah, work six, eight weeks, make a ton of money. And I'm going hunting for four weeks. Hey, I'm going to work. I mean, hey, I'm with you on that. I've always said that. I, I have. I, I was always going to college because I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, and then I couldn't get through any of the classes that were tough. So I got a telecom degree. But uh, no, I've always kind of thought, man, we don't put enough emphasis on things like that. Where I'm from, you know, if you didn't go to college, you were a you worked in a steel mill, and that wasn't great. But times have changed, right? That's kind of what you're saying. Times have, have changed. Right, yeah, because these jobs are more in demand because so many people thought, well, I better go to college yeah. and get some useless degree in gender studies or mythology just to prove to my parents and my peers that I'm smart enough to graduate from <laughs> Brown University or whatever. So in the meantime, all these jobs, these blue-collar jobs, are have a shortage of people just capable of doing the work. And the best part about it is, is that you don't have to be a certain skin color, vote a certain way to drive a truck. They just want you to be able to drive the truck and show in the work today. Um, I interviewed Tucker Carlson on this topic a year ago, and he's like, in corporate America, your political views, your sexual orientation, your skin color, that's going to decide exactly your level of success out in the field working as a farmer in the shop, they don't care about any of that stuff. Everybody there is an equal. And that's pretty admirable, I think, in this day and age. I do, too. Hey, did you see, I, I didn't put this on what we were going to talk about, but did, did you see the outrage towards Tony Dungy for supporting a parent's bill? Uh, yeah, I didn't see, well, so I didn't see actually what Dungy said, but someone saw, sent me a text of Keith Olbermann saying how wrong Dungy was and how 
anti-LGBTQ Dungey is. So if Keith Olbermann is offended by something Dungey did, I'm all on Dungey's side no matter what he says because I don't agree with Keith Olbermann on anything. Hey, he won the woke challenge, right? By a landslide, or was it even just, close? Just domination. I mean, sometimes he got 92% of the vote. I mean, <laughs> it, it was unbelievable how dominant this guy was in the woke bracket. And I'm proud of him because not only did he prove his wokeness to OutKick, this week he once again revealed how much he's been begging MSNBC to replace somebody in prime time. And MSNBC keeps telling this guy no. This guy, Keith Olbermann, sent an NBC executive an unsolicited 5,000-word email explaining why he should host primetime on MSNBC. And MSNBC sent him back an email saying, no thanks, we're good. You know how embarrassing that must be for Keith Olbermann? Keith Olbermann seems a bit angry. Seems a tad angry. Yeah, there's a couple of guys in media that (laughs) sort of just lost their mind, like, just sort of went off the deep edge that I don't think are really sane humans. I'm not sure if Keith Olbermann gets out much. I can't imagine that he has any friends. If you see some of his photos, it's just him and his dogs. And I love dogs, but I'm not sure Olbermann has any human interaction physically anymore. Yeah, I, I, I like dogs. I don't, I don't have the gene that makes me love dogs. And the fact that Olbermann loves dogs make me question my own dog. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, when I, when I first got into the business, somebody, somebody <laughs> told me, they go, there's going to be people you come across that can't get along with humans, so they have to get a cat or get a dog or get a rabbit or even a fish just to talk <laughs> right. to. I'm pretty sure they were talking about Keith Olbermann. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. As, as you just said that, I started shuffling through my head like, oh, yeah. That guy loves his cat. Now, he's a good friend of mine, but he can't hang out with people. Right. You know, so That's I, the thing. I, I know somebody <laughs> I uh, right. that loves their fishes. They go down the basement, talk to their fishes. And I sort of respect the guy, but now oh, that God. I think about it, there's a reason why he doesn't really have any friends or any social circles. I mean, there are some people that have to find companionship through animals. And I think Keith Orman is a good example. I mean, no one wants to go to Keith Olbermann's penthouse in New York, so his dogs will settle there. I mean, I think it's the way it works. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. What did you, you think of Cam Newton's comments? Uh, this was so frustrating because I see so many people grandstanding saying, what sexist comment from Cam Newton? How, how dare he say that? If you, actually read, if you read Cam Newton's comments, his language is sort of poor. He's sort of lazy in his argument. But all he's saying essentially is that he grew up in a household where one parent worked, the other one stayed home, cooked clean, and took care of the kids. And that's what he thinks is a good household. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. That's considered a traditional household that up until a couple of decades ago worked for most families. Cam Newton's parents have been married for 37 years. So obviously they're doing something right. If Cam Newton prefers a woman who stays home while he works, there's nothing wrong with that. He's not telling other Americans to do that. He's saying for him, he believes that is the best situation for he and his family. And I don't know if I disagree because divorce rates started to go up when people said you need two workers in the household. 
Um, so I think it's a very in-depth conversation that I give him props for speaking honestly and openly about. Um, I, I tend to agree with him. Now, he sort of did himself in by saying he wants women to shut up and let men leave. But I think really what he's saying is it's just that they divide the roles where like the women control the house and the guy controls other stuff. Um, he did a, again, he did a bad job awarding this, but I think his overarching point is actually pretty interesting and actually worth considering for a lot of people that are able to have just one adult working per household. Now, not everybody can, but some people can afford to have one person who, who maybe makes 150, 200,000 a year where they don't need both parents working day to day. And I think for the kids sake, it might be better for them to have a parent home more often instead of going to daycare after school or babysitters. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, I, he did, he did, he, when you, you can't give ammunition, right? And to say, I don't know, be quiet, no one to be quiet. That, that's what's going to be, you know, thrown out, right? That's right. easy. That's the low hanging fruit. But his bigger point, even my wife, who's as pro-woman as any woman, is like, of course. He goes, hey, if you don't like it, then don't marry him. Don't date him. But he certainly has his prerogative. If that's, if that's the family structure that he grew up in that he thinks is best, the hell's wrong with saying that? That's from my wife, and I don't disagree right. either. I, I, but again, you know, you know this, Bobby. You know, you know that you can't leave the one thing hanging there that people that disagree with you want to pounce on, right? Exactly. That, that's what it is. Like, if he would have left out, sort of like shut up and let guys leave, I think that there would be a much more, much broader argument. But he just gave them ammunition to just shut him down and call him sexist. But yeah, you I mean, you bring up an interesting point about your wife. I mean, I, I was talking to a female friend of mine about what he said, and I tweeted about this, and a lot of people are angry with me. I, whatever, it doesn't bother me. And she was like, you know, my sister wants to find a person that believes what Cam Newton does, but I don't. I mean, that just shows you two sisters can disagree, but neither one of them are begrudging the other for wanting that lifestyle. I think a lot of American men and women agree with Cam Newton and the other half don't. I don't think one way's right, one way's wrong by any means. I agree. No, I, I, I totally agree. I, I like, hey, look, uh, we, we, we don't live in a society where everybody should think the same way. Everybody should have the same views, whether it's marriage or politics or money or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I have, um, I have on my YouTube chat a lovely woman named Jennifer, and she's on every day. And she'll tell guys all the time, quit being wimps. Quit being wimps. Women don't want wimps. Women don't want subservient dudes. And I'm not saying she speaks for every woman, but when other women get on this, they're all saying the same thing. Hey, wait a second. Don't be a little D-bag. Get out there. Be a man. And Ellison Williams was on my show yesterday, and she said the same thing. She's like, wait a second. Why do we denigrate traditional male roles? Why? Why is everything masculine toxic? No. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that I saw you and Gottlieb and others step you know, you guys were the ones that I saw initially defend what Newton said because the easiest thing in the world is just to crush Newton, right? I mean, oh, he said shut up. And, of course, there are people that are doing that. But, hey, I'm just glad to see somebody like you defend it. I thought it was great. Well, oh, I, I totally did. agree with that YouTube commenter about how weak men are in this generation. It's because I don't think that 
men growing up in society now know what their role is because if they act like a quote-unquote man people will say they're toxic and all that stuff or you know so i don't think they understand what their role should be so the result of that is you get a lot of weak men who can't lead that's what's going on i think in a lot of schools you see like with this don't say gay bill which is not actually don't say gay but the people speaking up now in the parent teacher means it's mostly moms because the fathers are afraid if they push back they'll be labeled a transphobe or a sexist or anti-lgbtq so you have fathers now not just men afraid to stand up for their kids because of labels they might get in return that's a pretty sad thing dan you you uh when you go through it uh it's not that bad meaning I've been called everything, so, like, so you know, Dan Wolken at, at U.S. Yeah, <laughs> I know, uh, you know, a, bu- a bully, a misogynist, called me a racist because I said a white guy got a lot of tattoos. Where do you get the money? Okay, but once you've been through that, you know, well, the guys that are mad at you are idiots anyway, so who really does care? So I, I'm, I'm, I think fathers need to read a book called Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart is a great, great book. Wild at heart is the best. It's basically telling guys the history, the science of being a man. And it says, get your backside up, lead, or let's go. It's the greatest book ever. And I think it's really popular. I think it's sold like billions of copies. Wild at heart, Bobby. That too shall lead us to the promised land. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And yeah, I would agree. But instead, men are told to read books like white fragility and stuff like that so then they know that they're they're brought up to be embarrassed of themselves and want to apologize um you you know you brought up an interesting point there and i thought about this a lot why are we so afraid as a society to be labeled these terms what do they actually do i mean right. i don't really read that many of my twitter mentions here and there i'll you know look over and see if anybody said anything interesting but every day somebody's like oh, this guy is racist, this guy's a white supremacist, this guy's, you know, homophobic or whatever. Um, what do those words do? Like, first of all, the people saying that, they don't know me. So they're basing their labels off incomplete information. And anyone that actually wants to challenge me or learn more about me, they'll reach out directly. I mean, when I write a column that's you know deemed controversial, Everybody that reaches out privately tends to agree. I mean, anyone that wants to argue, they do it over Twitter as sort of virtue signals. So I just don't think the people that are handing out these labels matter all that much at all. I mean, never have I ever walked outside my home, went out, and somebody's ever called me those words. It's strictly online in the media. And that's just such a small circle that I really believe that, and, and I've wrote this before, I think this whole sort of PCU woke movement is very vulnerable if people would just stop bowing to them and listening. If you just avoid, don't take to heart what they're saying, they have no impact on anyone's lives. Yeah, like, you know, and, and I, what I do is eventually lose respect. Like, I'll give you another person on this YouTube chat. His name is Ed Rogers. And, and no matter what you say, right, and this is where I don't respect people, no matter what you say, no matter what you say, uh, he going to defend, you know, it, the inflation could go to 30% and Ed going to defend the Libby's. You know, and I don't respect that. I, I, I'm glad he's listening. I'm glad he's watching. Yay, rah. He, he's on the YouTube chat of my other show. This show, great, wonderful. 
But when he posts on here, I just don't pay attention because it's like, don't be so blinded by what you believe that even what you believe when gone wrong, you can't say, wait a second, I got to look at this. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing with everything. Like, don't be so blinded by your thought that you can't, you, you can't at least think for yourself, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I think there's, a, and I live by this sort of motto of, you know, if something's not going to bug you five years from now, why are you going to let it ruin your next five days? And has anybody ever looked back and said, five years ago, somebody sent something mean to me on Twitter, I can't get over it. In the bigger picture, those outrage campaigns don't really have that much impact. Um, I think most of them are overblown, over-indexed. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think social media, and I've gone back and forth on sort of how important social media is to a person's brand. Social media can be very beneficial as long as you use it right. It's a great promotional tool, but you cannot let it impact sort of your happiness, right? The worst thing anyone can do in any field in life is put their happiness in someone else's hands. And if you allow social media to control your happiness, you will never be happy. It's the only way to win that game is to not play. No, you're right. Bobby, keep writing it, man. Keep being America's conscious. You're the best. It's great. Every time you write it, I read it, brother. Every time. And every time you want to come on this show, you are always welcome because you're great. Absolutely Dan, appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thanks, buddy. Uh, that's our show for tonight. Appreciate everybody that's on the YouTube chat. Appreciate everybody that's watching. Do me a favor. My friend Steve Simonson did it yesterday, and I appreciate him. He is a national volleyball legend in this country. He retweeted our show, and I appreciate any comments that you would put up on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube promoting our show because we want to make this big. But think for yourself, man. People always say, well, you don't like disagreement. I love disagreement. Love it. Just don't be an idiot. Just don't end all disagreement with an insult. Like people can, people can insult or people can disagree. But what I've found is that when people disagree with me for whatever the reason, it got to end it with an insult. I'm like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, well, what are you insulting me? I mean, disagree all you want. Anyway, uh, YouTube chat will be going. If you want to join us on our show from 10 to 3, we will be there. I'm headed downtown right now. Thanks to Dylan. Thanks to Ryan. Thanks to Bobby for coming on. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day, everyone. Doc, it's out!